You may be seated. I was trying to think think back, uh, when have I been most thirsty in my life? And I just immediately thought of, you know, when I was in like third or fourth grade and the water fountain, you know, you have to wait in line till it's your turn. You were playing out on the equipment. You're so thirsty. I was just, I'm just going to die. I'm so thirsty. And, you know, you wait your turn. And then I thought, well, in high school, open gym. I remember playing basketball in the old gym and being so thirsty and you have to wait. Uh, I went to, um, uh, I worked at BoJack one summer, um, Grow Alliance now. And uh, I remember being out in the fields and that, that probably was actually it. I mean, you work until your break, and it's just, it's 105, and, and you're so thirsty, and you wait, and they bring the cold water, you put it on your neck, and you go into shock for a second, and it's a lot of fun. But um, anyway, uh, but then I thought, no, wait, there was this one time in uh, junior high track, I think I was in seventh grade, and um, uh, Mr. Rux, uh, Coach Rux, Bill Rux, was my, was my track coach, and he had this thing, here's what you did, you, you ran your race, uh, or competed your event in your event, and then you went and you could go get your water bottle or whatever, and then you, you go and find him and he talks to you about the race. That's just how it was. And you, you don't want to wait too long, um, you know, because if, if not, it's like, well, where, where have you been? Um, so I, uh, I ran my race. It was the 400 meter dash. I was really thirsty. I went and got my water bottle and, uh, and didn't, didn't open it yet because I wanted to get to him as quickly as I could. And so I got to him and he said, uh, I opened it up, and he said, hey, can I have a drink of that real quick? <sighs> um, I'm thirsty. I wanted this, and I, I knew as soon as his mouth touched it, anyone's mouth, I'm not drinking after anyone. Um, and, uh, and, but he, I, it didn't matter because he took it, and he took a drink, and he downed it. I, I know a lot of you know, uh, know, knew who Mr. Rux was, um, but he was seven, seven foot one, uh, maybe 500 pounds, just a really big guy, and he could drink the water very quickly. And so he drank that full bottle in like three seconds. And then he said, can you go fill this up for me again? <laughs> I just thought, uh, not only did he, it's now it's his water, it's his water bottle. Um, I'm not getting a drink. So I don't think I've had a drink since. I'm just that, I'm still thirsty. But uh, no, anyway, um, the word thirsty though, it actually has uh, uh, different meanings. Um, and if someone calls you thirsty now, uh, it, it actually doesn't mean a good thing per se. It's the 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 definition is too eager to get something, uh, or another word is desperate. Too eager for attention. Too eager for compliments. Someone who um, just really wants attention and and they're gonna fight for it, and you know that they are, and it's just too obvious, and it usually is off-putting. Um, that's that's kind of what thirsty really means now. Uh, obviously, it also means that we need to drink something. But the truth is we're all thirsty. Uh, we really are. Uh, we might not think it and, until we lose something. You might think, well, I, I'm definitely not too eager for attention until a relationship ends or a relationship breaks or, um, you know, or a job loss or we lose something that we identify with and then all of a sudden, like, well, now we're desperate for that. Um, we're all thirsty people and there's a reason for it. Uh, sometimes we see something or, or someone and we think, if I just had that or if I just had that relationship, uh, then, then my thirst would be quenched. I would be satisfied. But it always comes up empty. It, it's like, you know, those movies, I don't, I don't even remember the last one I've seen with, with an, uh, a mirage when someone's in the desert and they have to go 100 miles because they got lost somehow. And, and, uh, and they see the oasis with the water and they run up to it and they go to take a drink and it's just sand. That's, that's what happens. That when we try to quench our own thirst, we go to that water and it doesn't quench our thirst. 
this creates many of the world's problems. Greed, envy, lust. I mean, so much happens because of our, of our, of our need, of our thirst, or our misplaced um, focus. Of the top 10 most viewed websites last year, six were either entertainment or social networking. We're spending a lot of our time trying to quench our thirst. Most of the time we find something that does a trick for a little while, and so we just stick with it. This is, it works, so, so why, you know, why give it up? It doesn't even feel like a bad thing. See, in the, in the church, we call that idolatry, putting someone in the place of God, finding, find, finding our satisfaction in anything other than God. Outside of the church, a lot of times it's called addictions or vices. Um, but when we give our attention to Jesus, instead of those other things, then we call it worship. And it's not a bad thing. It's actually what we were made to do. It, it's not simply about singing, uh, singing songs. Um, I might like a song, I might not. You know, that's just like sometimes we think about that, uh, or this isn't my style, or I really like this today, or worship, worship was really moving today. Um, it's not really about our singing, it's about our giving our focus or our attention to God fully. When we, when we don't do it the way that Jesus said to do it, then what happens is we leave here and we go and we try to find other ways to quench our thirst. Some are healthy, or we might say they're healthy, or um, some might appear to be unhealthy. Some are culturally accepted, some are not. But either way, uh, we're giving our attention to something that God deserves. What if we walked out of here on Sunday mornings and we were so filled with gratitude and contentment that we didn't have to go and try to find something else to, you know, to fill that void? So when, when we don't worship, uh, we aren't doing what we're meant to do. I I think about uh, what, what are things that we, um, we, we buy for one reason or, and then we don't use it for that. And um, my kids were in their first service and they actually knew, but we have this thing called, it's a pull-up bar um, in a doorway. Uh, I know those can be dangerous sometimes, um, but, uh, but this, this thing, um, if, you didn't, if you weren't in my house the week that I bought it, then you wouldn't know that it was a pull-up bar you would think that it's a, a clothing hanger, a clothing rack. Um, it's where, where we put our clothes before they get steamed, if they, if they are wrinkly. Um, and, you know, and we don't have a treadmill, but if we did, it would probably be like a little storage unit, like a mini storage unit. People use it and put their boxes on it. Um, it would be like if we went and bought a car and put, put it in the driveway, and we used it, but we misused it. Like we said, kids, you just, this is your playhouse. And we're going to put plants on the, on the dashboard, and that's going to be like a little greenhouse, and the animals, they can sleep under it. It's still getting used, but it's not used the right way, and it's missing the point. That's what happens when we don't worship. We're just missing the point. We're, if we don't give our attention to God, we are, we're being used, just misused. That thirst won't be quenched. This is exactly what Jesus told a woman in the story that we're going to look at today. John chapter 4, I'm going to just start reading verse 4 here. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was far from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. I'm going to stop here for a minute. There's a lot here to unpack. First of all, um, it, verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. The truth is he didn't have to go through Samaria. There was an option. Physically, he didn't have to, but he could. And so what that t- tells me is 
is he was being obedient to the Father. He went through for a reason. God led him through there for a reason, which we're, we're actually going to see in just a minute what that is. Um, but physically, he didn't have to go through. Um, if you could put the map. Yep, thank you. Um, and so here, here's a map of what, of, that kind of shows the story. Jesus was in Judea. That's the blue one down at the bottom. So he's south, uh, probably in the middle to northern part of, of the blue of Judea. And he's going to Galilee, uh, which up near, uh, probably kind of near the Sea of Galilee there. And so he can, obviously the shortest way would be to go right through. I, I found that maybe it's, it's uh, 80 to 90 miles. I found different people said different depending on exactly where he was going. But it was a, a pretty far journey. And so that would have been the easiest option. And that's actually what he did. But many of the Jewish people decided to take a different route because they really didn't like the people in Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. And so what they would do is they would go east over to Perea, across the Jordan River, and then just go north until they got up right before the Sea of Galilee, and then they would cross right there and go into Galilee. doesn't make a lot of sense unless you really hate those people in the middle. And a lot of the Jewish people did. It happened because when the northern kingdom of Israel was defeated by the Assyrians 700 years before, 722 BC, the Assyrians uh, deported many Israelites to Assyria and repopulated Israel with foreigners who intermarried with the Israelites. So the Assyrians and the Israelites, they married, they had kids, they were called Samaritans. And the Jewish people said that they were, they were ethnic half-breeds and they hated them. And so when you read this story, it just seems like, well, it's not a big deal, but Jesus is a Jewish man, and this woman is a Samaritan, so there's strike one. Second thing, uh, men and women didn't talk in public. Even if, even if you were husband and wife and you went out in public, you did not talk to each other. Now, my wife and I, sometimes we go out in public and we don't talk to each other, but that's because before we left, I said something I shouldn't have said, and so she's choosing not to, to talk to me. A little bit different idea, but, um, but anyway, that, so that's strike two. Men and women didn't talk to each other in public. Um, then um, the woman was out there at, at about the sixth hour or noon. Uh, women didn't go to the well at noon. They went first thing in the morning or in the evening, the cooler times of day. So strike three, why is she out there? This doesn't make any sense. Both these things suggest that the, women, the woman here felt a sense of avoiding people. She, she had a sense of shame. She needed to avoid other people for some reason. But she's there at the same time that Jesus happens to be, the, be there, a divine appointment. Um, obviously, he, he went through for a reason. She respond, or, sorry, and, then, and then Jesus asked her for water. She said, how can you ask me for a drink? Or, you're not supposed to talk to me. What is going on here? I mean, not only did, did she probably not want to respond, she probably felt that she would have gotten in trouble because when he, would have, he could have said anything and blamed her and she would have been the one in trouble. But Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. First thing that happens, Jesus ignores any talk of the customs um, just completely. He didn't even respond to these customs, all these things I just shared, and that she was kind of hesitant for those reasons. She's thirsty. This idea of being thirsty, the idea of worshiping, it kind of feels like the story's not there yet, and it's not, but it's all going to come together. So first thing, he says, the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink. 
He gives her the answers right away before anything else. Just, just get it out there. This, we're not going to beat around the bush. Let's, let's just get to the answers. The gift of God is living water. And then who it is that asks is the, is the person who could provide the living water. So what Jesus is telling her is, is, I have living water for you. I'm the provider of it. But what's the living water? On a physical level, that's the fresh water, the stuff that's coming right out of the spring, not the stagnant water that sits in the well. On a spiritual level, level it's, it's everything Jesus offers us. It's who he is. For starters, it's forgiveness. You think maybe this woman might, might be forgiven for something? You're, you're going gonna, gonna, gonna to find out soon. Uh, she definitely feels that way. Purpose, a mission, a new way of living, eternal life, love. This woman's relationships are not going well. You're going to find out soon. The gift of eternity. All this, the living water. But like, like so many people that Jesus encounters, uh, like with all of, of us, Jesus offers her what she needs, not necessarily what she thinks she wants. But ultimately, it's actually what she wants. She just doesn't know it yet. So she said, Sir, uh, Sir the woman said, uh, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and, and uh, as did also his sons and his livestock? And so it, it appears she's still lost. She thinks, well, this is a 100-foot well, a 100-foot deep, deep well, and, and if, if the living water would have to be at the bottom, or it's just starting to come out, and so he needs something really, and he's got nothing. It doesn't make any sense to her. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. All right. What, I, what it appears to me that she's thinking is this is magic water. If I, if I drink this water, you know, I will have my thirst quenched and I'll never need to drink water. Has anyone seen uh, the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Anybody see that? It's like really old, but Gene Wilder's in it, and there's these things called everlasting gobstoppers, and yeah, you only need one. Everyone just needs one because you can suck on it for hours, and it never goes away. That's what I think she's, uh, she's, she's in her mind. That's what this is to her. It, take a drink. It's good. Just maybe your glass never goes empty, something like that. That's, that's uh, where, where she, she seems to be. Um, but right in her request, why does she want it? There's a big reason here. She says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I mean, really think about those words. Why doesn't she want to have to go back to the well at noon alone, not being able to talk to anyone else? She's a social outcast. She doesn't seem to want this water because uh, of any other reason other than she doesn't have to face this anymore. She doesn't have to face any pain that she's going through, any, well, what's going on in her life that she just doesn't want to go there. Um, she knows that it'd be better if she could be able to go in the morning and have good relationships with people. I mean, that's what we all need, but she knows that's not going to happen. And, and at this point, Jesus knows it too, and so he gets her attention. Verse 16, he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. 
Now, husband, it could have been translated man. Basically, she's been in relationships that have either ended. Uh, maybe she, maybe her husbands had died, um, but more likely, if she was married, then they divorced her, and because um, men were the only ones that did the divorcing back then, and so she's just been broken time after time. Or she's just been in relationships with men time after time, and the man that she's with now is not her husband. It, it, it seems that Jesus' intention isn't to create any more pain, any more sense of guilt, but to confront that pain with the relationship with the men. The, just maybe for a second, if she starts to think about her life and what she's been looking for and where she's trying to find this satisfaction or fulfillment, if she starts to think through, and Jesus says, you've actually been looking in men and you haven't found it, then just maybe for a second she'll start to make this connection with what he's trying to offer her. Jesus wanted her to know that he knew. That he, he, he knew her lifestyle. Uh, he knew um, the way that she lived, and he still offered it. Sometimes we think we have to get clean. Uh, we have to, everything has to be all better in our lives. We have to have our relationships good. If I want to be a Christian, if I want to be a member, if I want to, if I want to focus on, on Jesus, then I have to get right, and I have, to, I have to do things to make that happen. No, she hadn't done a single thing. And he says, I'm offering this to you. I'm offering this new life, forgiveness, hope, purpose, mission, all of this, if she would just focus on him. He knows that she's thirsty. He knows that where she's looked has never worked. The problem was sin, seeking our fulfillment through anything other than God. Her moral failure was obvious. She knew it. Jesus knew it. Everyone knew it. Maybe everyone else wouldn't be quickly, uh, wouldn't forgive so quickly, but she could now feel forgiveness. Her relationships were broken. That's what sin does. And, and now all of a sudden, it's like he's broken all the customs. He didn't seem to care about that. And, and he's talked to this woman, and he knew about her, her life. Uh, he knew things that he shouldn't have, have known. He was just traveling through and knew that she had, had five husbands and the man she was with now. He knew this about her. So the story is getting good. And then all of a sudden, they start talking about worship. I have to, I have to be honest with you here. Um, I'm, I try to be honest the whole time I'm up here, um, but I'm going to be transparent. Uh, I was going to preach this sermon on December 27, 2020, um, and, and, uh, and I had about 75% of it, of it written, and, uh, and then I got COVID, and so I couldn't preach, and someone else preached that Sunday, and, uh, and so I just kind of filed this away. And we were talking about uh, preaching about a, a, just a one-week uh, topic on worship. And so that's where we're at today. But when I, when I read through and I was going through some of my notes, I was going to skip this part, um, verses 19 to 24. I had no intention of reading this uh, here because I thought it had nothing to do with everything else. I, I, I missed it for sure. I mean, as soon as I read it, I was like, this, well, how could I skip that? Anyway, um, you're going to probably hear that this sounds like a completely different story or text, but it, it all goes together here. It says this, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestor, ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship, worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I don't know if you kind of see it. It Doesn't it just feel like it's just a, a side talk? So many people are thirsty right now. People who thought they had, they had everything discovered, and, and they had it figured out, and then all of a sudden, well, I'm not satisfied anymore. When, we, when, we, when we've, uh, we've got these needs that only God will fill, then worship means that we turn our attention to Him. That's what this is about, uh, real worship. That's what this text was. Up to this, he's basically acknowledged she is looking for something, and she hasn't been looking in the right places. And if only she would, would start to turn her attention to God, which is what worship is. It's not about singing. It's about focusing completely on God. Until our worship becomes real, we will continue to be thirsty. The woman brought up some logistical, technical questions again, just like earlier. And you know what Jesus basically said? is not important. He acknowledged them this time, but then he moved right past to say that the real issue is that we worship in truth and spirit. Well, those are a couple big words, but what do they mean? Spirit is our attitude. It's our, is our heart really in it? It's obviously a gift of, of the Holy Spirit when we place our faith in Jesus that he helps us and he gives us this gift that helps us to keep our focus. It's a, the, the, the Spirit is, is a counselor and an advocate or a, a middleman between God and us uh, and he fills us and he, and he allows us to or helps us to keep our focus. So this is Spirit. Are we at least attempting to acknowledge God or I don't like this song or um, I, I just want to move on and I'm, I'm not this is, I think this is all of us at times. What's for lunch? You guys are probably thirsty now. Tracy's going to talk about food in just a minute, and you're going to be hungry, and you're not going to be thinking about anything we're talking about. Worshiping in spirit is our heart. Worshiping in truth, that means that we learn who God is, and then we praise Him for what we learn about Him, the characteristics or the attributes or the truths of God. Uh, when, we, when we sing songs, sometimes we, th- we say things in there like that God is the creator or the father or the rock or almighty, what we're doing is we're acknowledging, God, this is who you are, and now I'm giving you my heart instead of just, you know, saying words. And if this woman then would forget about the customs and traditions, which what he's, he's really pushed her away from, at least just enough to focus on God, then maybe she will no longer thirst. Maybe this living water would satisfy her. This is how we drink the living water. We worship. We acknowledge who God is. It's a, it's a response, not to the sermon, but to what God has revealed to us in His Word and through His Spirit. And then when we leave here, that helps us to go out and take that to other people. We know why the Samaritan woman couldn't come to the well, but we, we don't know um, how, how she became this way. Maybe it was her own sin, you know, those, those relationships. Maybe she suffered at the, uh, from the sin of others. Maybe other people abused her in some way um, or misused power to, uh, just to force a relationship that she didn't want. Maybe she believed lies uh, because when, when everyone else starts to think something about you, you start to feel that way yourself. Like the woman at the well, we've got to stay with Jesus long enough for our thirst to be quenched. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, Sometimes we've been told things about ourselves, whether it's through broken relationships uh, or just our insecurities. We start to believe them over years. Uh, and, and, then, and then, you know, you think this change and, you know, people maybe come into the church and they hear this and they're like, 
this is great, this forgiveness, but then you leave and you start to hear other people say things or you start to feel some of these things and they, they pop back into your head. And it's like, well, maybe it didn't work for me. No, we have to keep drinking it. We, we don't have to do things to try to force uh, or, or to quench our thirst, but we just stay with Jesus. And he says, if you do it long enough, I'll keep doing it for you. The world offers quick fixes. We want those uh, to our anger, our, our insecurities, our guilt. Um, people make money off of our insecurities, really. People make money off of addictions that we have because we're trying to fill this, this void. People make money off of us trying to overcome addictions. Um, people make money off of our desires to look a certain way or feel a certain way. I'm not saying everything's bad, but we need more than this. We need something to keep our thirst quenched for good, and, and we have a source. This is what Jesus offers us. Worship in spirit with all of your heart and in truth. Uh, to continue, it means to continue to look deeply into who Jesus is. I'm going to finish the story. Um, actually, yeah, almost. <laughs> Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Oh good, someone has the answers. That's what she's talking to him and she says, there's this guy, he's going to come and he's going to give us all the answers. And Jesus said, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. She still didn't really get it at first. But at some point we know it clicked. Maybe, maybe she left. We don't get to know uh, how the conversation ended. Maybe she left and she was like, that's the Messiah, that's God. And then she was excited to tell people because we know she did. Uh, verse 39, here's what happened. This is the, the result. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. See, they actually came to Jesus because of, of her testimony, and she was excited and went and told them, and then they got to meet him. And, and it, it, he stayed for two days, and they figured out this is the guy. I, uh, I had read something this week, and I, um, it's a quote, so I'm giving credit, but uh, I don't know who to give credit to. I just put it in my notes, and I forgot. So, uh, but it said this. It said, to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Worship is when we pursue God and love him for who he is. But the only reason we can do it is because uh, it, it started with him knowing us and loving us in spite of who we are. That's what Christianity is. I've, I've said this over and over again. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, the creator of the world, uh, watched us rebel against him, watched us try to fulfill all these things through, through everyone else, or uh, all other relationships and, and addictions, and we try to find the satisfaction. And he knows all that, and he, he said, you know what? I'm going to give you away. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That is what our faith is about. Uh, we will never have our thirst quenched any other way except through this relationship offered through him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, uh, for this story. There's so many good stories in the Bible, and there's so many uh, details in there. And sometimes it's hard just to understand what, uh, what, the, what these things actually mean. Uh, but I, I thank you that you've revealed something to us. I, I feel that you've given us uh, something today uh, through your word, uh, through this story, through this woman, and through Jesus uh, doing what he does, offering hope and new life. And so I pray that uh, for all of us here, uh, whether we feel we've got 
our thirst quenched, uh, whether things are um, not going so well or we don't know what's going to happen next. I pray that you would help us to keep our focus on you and so that we can love you and feel the love that you've shown through your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.